1: And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors a flick and check out Doing Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo to Baxter, Pelican Bay to Parkville every Monday at 5pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still
2: fired up and we're still talking about
3: revolution.
2: Welcome to Do Time on 3CR. Today we feature a special event featuring artists who all have lived experiences of incarceration, sharing their dreams of abolitionist futures and how we might get there. This late-night literature, Imagining Abolitionist Futures event, took place on Thursday, 24th June and featured stories submitted by women currently in prison read out by the hosts on their behalf. Hosted by Nayuka Gori and Wit Gori as part of the Emerging Writers' Festival 2021. The evening of storytelling featured Flick Smith, Tabitha Lean, Rosalina Curtis, Ashley and Stacey. Nayuka Gori introduces the event.
4: Hello. I'd like to acknowledge that Wit and I are both on Gunai Kurnai land and I'm a Gunai Kurnai, Wiradjuri, and Yorta Yorta, I'm person, so speaking on my own country tonight feels very special. It is impossible to speak about abolition and the carceral system without first speaking to colonialism in this country. To speak of the prison industrial complex in Australia is to speak of colonialism the incarceration, surveillance and control of our people, children and adults, have always been a way to dispossess us of our land, disappear us, kill us, strip us of our culture and break our spirits, which is to say the prison industrial complex is genocide that hasn't ended, only adapted. In spite of all this, blackfellas are still here, we're still fighting to end the prison industrial complex. All over the country, blackfellas practice the world we want to live in already. There are pockets of joy and freedom and blackness all over. I acknowledge the sovereignty of the peoples whose land you're all on. I acknowledge their elders past and present. I'd also especially like to acknowledge Raymond Knoll Thomas and his family. The coronial inquest into Raymond Knoll's death in police custody here in Victoria has begun and I urge everyone in a position to, to go support his family
0: at the Coroner's Court in South Bank. Thanks. Um, I'm Whit Gurry. I'm, I'm a white social worker um, who's worked alongside people who are incarcerated for the past decade. Um, I currently work at Flat Out in Nam, supporting trans and gender diverse people inside Victorian prisons and alongside survivors of family violence. And I'm Nayuka, uh, with nine partners. Um,
4: <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, as I said before, I'm a Gunai, Kuna, Gunachamara, Radhuri and Yorta Yorta writer. Um, and tonight, I guess the reason why I'm here tonight is, aside from being affected by having a lot of family, um, incarcerated um, and also institutionalised, I'm also a writer and writing for me is a cultural production. And writing is world making in both a world on the page, what you read sense, but also very much the world we live in sense. And as a writer, I think it's my responsibility to write the world in some way, what I, the world I want to live in, or at least think critically about the world as it is now. Something, that's, um, something that really resonated with me recently was reading Merriam Carver's We Do This Till We Free Us. In the opening essay of that book, she comments on how abolition is occasionally dismissed as a destructive force. And while this might be the case where we destroy old oppressive systems, it is ultimately a practice that is about building. It is
0: generative and creative and future-oriented. We need to use our imaginations. Tonight, we have a lineup comprised of currently and formerly incarcerated people and in their work. These are all people who've survived or are currently surviving the violence of the prison industrial complex.
4: Very often, through various mechanisms such as policy, discrimination, and brute force, criminalised and incarcerated people are gagged and not given platforms to speak to the brutalities of the state and carceral systems. They are also not afforded the chance to speak to the best way forward. As people who have survived that system, who know its strengths and weaknesses intimately the way that we might know our strengths and weaknesses of our enemies in a battle, we believe
0: that these are the voices that we must listen to. To get to this abolitionist future, we also need to acknowledge and address the harms that the current system today causes. We need to hold the past and present simultaneously. Abolition doesn't shy away from addressing harm and neither do the pieces you're about to hear. They not only challenge us to imagine new worlds, but speak to the violence, trauma and harm that's perpetuated and compounded by the prison industrial complex. As such, we'd like to flag that some of the work tonight does speak to physical, sexual and psychological violence and may be triggering for other survivors. Now, Yuka and I are really honoured to host this event alongside such an incredible lineup, and thank you all for joining us tonight and thank the Emerging Writers Festival for creating this space. Um, so let's kick us off. Um, I'd first like to welcome Flick Smith. Um, Flick is a nut and jetty woman who is a mother to a beautiful baby boy and an amazing acrylic artist. She's been inside five times and will be officially free of the system when her parole ends next month, which is huge, huge. Um, I first met Flick when she was last inside, working incredibly hard to get released. Um, She knows all too well about the impacts of the system, and I'm so stoked she's able to join us tonight. Thank you, Flick.
5: I'd just like to say thank you for having me and um, I hope you enjoy my reading. Welcome to the system. Welcome to the system that can be bought with money and power because it's a big game. Decided by the Prime Minister who can get the most amount of fame. Let me give you a quick rundown of the rules. Indigenous, you lose. Mental illness, you lose. Struggling with addiction, you lose. Finally, unable to take any more physical abuse so you defend yourself and it goes horribly wrong. You lose, and the list goes on. You'll be sent to a place to learn your place. You are now a number. Now people will search your mouth if you have a Panadol. Now you will strip naked if you want to see a loved one. Now you have 12 minutes to catch up on what you have missed out on. Now you will wear pants with holes, shoes with no soles, and you will eat soup from bowls from plates because we have run out of bowls. You'll be housed in a facility, one of 15 facilities where over 470 deaths of First Nation people have occurred without scrutiny, to remove you from and safeguard the public community. Royal Commission, for what? Reconciliation, where? Rehabilitation, sorry, that program's full. Do you need trauma counselling? I'll put you down on the six month wait list. You'll be medicated to ensure compliance because we will not tolerate defiance. Those that need the most help and assistance are trapped inside ju- justice systems. Feeling suicidal, you'll be stripped and placed in a gown, and I don't mean bridal. Locked in a concrete cell of sorts to help with your self-harm thoughts. Feeling depressed, a pain in your chest. Fill out a form and put it in the box, and I pray it won't get lost. You'll be locked away where every day is Groundhog Day. Not much changes, and not and not much is achieved. In a prison of 500 women, there are 5 spots for higher education. But they're all already taken. In a prison of 500 women, there are 8 beds in a unit specifically for alcohol and other drug rehabilitation. But they're all already taken. In a prison of 500 women, there are 20 phones for family communication. But they're all already taken. In a prison of 500 women, there are 10 beds and 2 units for mother and child accommodation. But they're all already taken. If you go into labour, you'll get an ambulance to the hospital and give birth whilst being cuffed to the bed, with prison officers never leaving your side, until they return you back to your cell without your baby because there is no room. A woman is screaming in pain, pressing the buzzer again and again, only to be ignored, another death behind prison doors. Now tell me how that person's main priority is supposed to be contributing to society. We need to heal, we need to feel, We need to be in a world that is real, not locked in a cage somewhere off stage. Out of sight, be given a chance to fight for what we want to be. A chance to break the cycle. No no more more denial, trial and error, error and trial. Here's an idea. Give people a place to get their mind right and clear. Help people feel safe and supported. It's not something that should induce fear. Give people a place to go that isn't a cell because no one can get the assistance they need if they are living in hell. Every person needs access to mental, physical and addiction services because every person is worth it. No more wait lists for detox and rehab facilities. Support people helping themselves to overcome their difficulties. Would you be able to get a job if you had nowhere to sleep at night? A CRN should not follow you through life. Narrowing opportunities is just not right. Taxpayers pay to make criminals disappear because fixing the symptom is easier than fixing the problem. You would not treat cancer with a Band-Aid. So how about using that tax money to treat the source of the pain? Thanks, everyone, for joining tonight. Enjoy the rest of the show.
0: That was incredible, Flick. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Sis.
4: Um, Next up, we have Ash. Ashley Chapman is a 27-year-old lesbian woman diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. She served a sentence of three years in the Dane Phyllis Frost Centre, which is here in Victoria. We'll talk a little later this evening about a campaign to stop the expansion of that prison. Um, and also Tarangawa Prison. She was sent back for two years on remand and is currently still inside. Whilst incarcerated, she saw a broken and troubled system and set out on a path to make it a better place. Becoming the first first woman to advocate and represent the LGBTIQ plus and disability community while she was still in prison in Victoria. Passionate and determined from a young age, she has overcome many obstacles and continues to fight for the rights of others. Ash obviously can't be here tonight, but we're so thankful that she was able to send us this piece. And our thoughts are with you, Ash. Thank you so much. This is called A Future Captured by Ashley Chapman. The voice is beautiful. My lungs filled fill with a relieved gr- gasp. I expected a sentence to prison a feeling of chest tightening, breath weak, metal and voices, a life, a life of strip searches and beatings. But I have a table of warmth and empathy, compassion and communication, an unwavering sense of belief and understanding with the outcome forever changed for me, and everyone is utterly breathtaking. A chance, I tell you, at real recovery, support, and the understanding of who we are, our background, our life, our everything, with a simple question, a simple why, which leads to further questions and genuine support. Why are you here? Why did you do it? The real truth, the further questions, how can we help? And help, I mean real help, homes, counselling, communication, support, material aid, counseling of all forms, warmth, food, shelter and clothing, necessities, and so much more. Where the media report the person behind the story, not the glamour line. Where everyone understands that people need support and help, not bars and forced solitude. Where governments say no to prisons and yes to actual help and improving and do it. Actions, not just
0: words. Thank you. Um, we have another piece um, from a woman that also is incarcerated at the moment um, that was sent in, um, and you know, obviously, it's you know, it's really tricky for for people to be able to participate in these kind of events, and um, you know, for for the pieces we've had, like lawyers look over them and those sorts of things, because um, and you know that there's risk for people. Um, so it's, you know, it's so great to be able to give these platforms to people that are inside. So the next piece is um, by Stacy Stokes. So Stacy is a 38-year-old trans woman who's been incarcerated in a men's prison for the past five years. She enjoys writing letters, listening to and playing music, especially classical. She uses creative writing as a way to keep herself sane. As Stacy said to me, um, writing is a little window out of my hell of being a woman in a male prison. Stacey is also someone I've I've had the privilege of working alongside and is a fierce advocate for the rights of transgender people in prison right now. Um, The majority of of trans people in custody in Australia are predominantly trans women um, and most of whom are located in men's prisons. Um, So Stacey's piece, if we maintain our current course, The future of prisons is an ever-expanding series of storage facilities for broken people. Our society would rather make those who struggle to conform to society's laws sit in the naughty corner than delving into the reasons for their behaviour. We are put in a cage, given no therapy to fix why we are broken. We are alone in a world of predators and no one cares. Every complaint is met with, if you don't like it, then you shouldn't have come to jail. Nothing to do but think. Angry and bitter, surrounded by negativity and still broken. And then we are released, because we will be released. We are still broken. The reason we couldn't conform to society's laws still remain. But now we have a criminal record. So we can't get a job and police visit us first whenever a car goes missing in your neighbourhood to remind us, we don't trust you. Because... Our society cannot forgive us and never will forget the one thing we may have done wrong. If your children were naughty, would you just lock them in the room and not discuss what the issue is, then constantly raise that they're naughty for the rest of their lives? That sounds emotionally abusive. Many of us have had extremely traumatic events take place in our lives at a young age, and this has stunted our emotional growth and development. Many of us are emotionally still children. We we need access to therapy. For some, drugs have been our escape, our coping mechanism, and after jail, the only thing that that makes life worth living. We need help and healing. But that's our problem, right? Wrong. When you're waiting for an ambulance and none comes because they're all at a shooting, an overdose, a stabbing, it's your problem now. Your house is broken into by someone with a drug addiction. Maybe if they'd gotten support, your house would have never been burgled, your car stolen, comfort zone violated. How about we consider the cost of the whole useless system? Victoria spends $130,000 per inmate per year. Australia spends $3.8 billion annually. Is it really worth spending $130,000 to keep someone struggling with addiction off the street for a year? You can still get drugs in jail and there's still no support. Then get out and do drugs again. There's nothing to show for it. That money could go to education and healthcare. Your struggling children who need that little bit of extra help at school could get that help. You need surgery, that wait list could be shorter with the money spent on healthcare. Not to mention what we could offer to society if we were allowed back in. The future we need is one that centres healing and education, one where we are all given the support to address the broken parts, not create more, where real paths exist to learn and be connected. A future without prisons is a world where we all have a place and no one is left behind. I'd just like to acknowledge um, both those pieces, Ashley and, and Stacey's, and, and thank them both for trusting us to read those pieces for them, um, and to also, um, you know, say extend, you know, our our thoughts to them inside, and um, and shout out to all their family who may be listening tonight.
5: Thank you.
4: Um, next up, we have Rosalina Curtis. Rosalina is a black transgender activist with years of experience in advocacy and activism for the rights of trans people. Rosalina is originally from Alice Springs, but has been living in Sydney for the last seven years, and we are so excited she could make it tonight. Here she is.
3: Thank you very much for inviting and having me, and um, my name is Rosalina Curtis, originally from... Central Aranda tribe in Alice Springs and surrounding areas of Central Australia. And I've lived um, all over Australia except WA and Tasmania. That's only two on the bucket list. (laughs) And I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners where I am at the moment. Um, um, Yeah, and the nation of the Gadigal people. I'm of the old nation, sorry. And um, I like to, more or less, um, I do storytellings and, yeah, I do write write stories as well, but more or less I'm a storyteller. And I like to share some of my testimonies of how I grew up, grew up living home at a very, like, young age, self-identifying myself, you know, being transgender and travelling and living homeless, you know, experiences of homelessness and, just experiencing the constant, you know, um, harassment from the authorities, the police, and just catch surfing, and having these really strict um, laws in Northern Territory, especially like now the interventions in there and these racist laws, and and growing up in in Northern Territory, you know, just catch surfing and finding myself. Then we have laws like. The protection laws in Northern Territory where like if you, if the police see that you oh, are they can just arrest you like you know like especially if you're Aboriginal and trans I got into the sex industry as well at a younger age you know going around and being a sex worker with other transgender girls and the police would constantly harass us and they'll just throw us in you know and take us to the police station and um would be, you know, getting, some of us get incarcerated and um, just, you know, to saying that it's for our own protection. Protecting what? What do we need protection from? More, more, um, first of all, we need protection from you, police. And yes, and you know, even living in Sydney, we have these, racist laws like the STMP, you know, the suspect target management program. As soon as you come out or if you're in trouble with the police and with the authorities, you have your fifty percent of people living in New South Wales are on that suspect target management program, which you're all you're always targeted from the police. So you you know, you can't it's like you can't do anything. You go down the street, the police Oh, we know you, we just want to, you know, and they just do it out of intimidation. And just to show, you know, their power and authority and they use and abuse that. And then you have these, you know, around Australia, especially in, you know, remote communities and, you know, smaller um, community, um, towns and that, where police, they say, they pick up transgender girls, especially if you're a sex worker, they take you out in the bush. And then they say to you, good or walking In other words, spread your legs, spread your legs, and give yourself to me, or else you're going to go to jail. And you know these are the sort of things that need to stop. And I, as long as I'm alive, I will. I want to see changes and fight against these sort of things and these discriminating laws and racist laws that is targeting. My Aboriginal, especially my Aboriginal transgender community, you know, because when you come underneath that category of being Aboriginal, not only an Aboriginal, then being transgender, then being a sex worker, and you know, you're you're a minority of a minority minority minority. minority. And as long as I'm alive, I, I want to see changes, and I'm gonna fight for that no matter what. And we need to all, you know, I want to live in, you know, feel that abolish all of these races, want to see all these races laws and abolished. And we have to go, as, you know, you know, Yuka said at the start, you know, it started from the start, from the colonialism. And we need to go back to the start and, you know, and we need to sit down together as one and, we need to make changes for the better for our people. Because how is, how, is we, are we, how are we gonna heal as a nation? And how are we gonna heal as, you know, that, um, that, you know, that generational trauma? And as long as I'm alive, and I will speak and I will tell my story, and I want to see changes for the better for everyone. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much,
4: Rosalina. Thank you so much, my sister. That was so deadly.
0: So, our last speaker for tonight is Tabitha Lean. Um, Tabitha is a proud Gudujamara woman born and raised on Kerner Uh Anyone who's read Tabitha's work or her Twitter account knows she's a staunch abolitionist who never who's never wanted to hold back on the realities of criminalisation and incarceration in all its forms. Um it's a privilege to have you here tonight, Tabs. Please welcome Tabitha Lee.
1: Thank you so much. It's quite intimidating going after that amazing lineup. So thank you. Um nyata nyatu nyapli on putuminyan nyatu gundichmara me apa one gone into one you're coming out alamin gana miring tumaney gana miring. Um my name is Tabitha or as my ancestors know me putuminyan I'm a gundichwa woman born and raised on ganageta so I pay my respects tonight to the gana people on whose land I stand. As an uninvited guest on this country, I recognise that my ability to do this work in this place and space is leveraged of the continued dispossession of the Ghana people from their lands. This country always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And I'd also like to acknowledge my brothers, sisters and kin who are presently sitting in cages in our own country. I thank my ancestors and our creators for allowing me to do this work. Um, I'm honoured to be doing this reading with you this evening and to be a part of this panel with the New Current Wit, two incredibly awesome human beings who have come to feel like family to me. I value the work they do, the support they've shown me, and the fierceness within which they advocate on behalf of all of those trapped in the castle net. So let's begin. I am number 177057 that is the six digit number assigned to me by the state. The six digit number that hangs from my neck like a noose. A six digit number that has forever altered my dialogical relationship with the state. But perhaps as an Aboriginal woman, that was inevitable. After all, my existence is political. My presence is radical resistance. Every breath I draw is in defiance of a nation-state designed to eradicate and erase my kind. Tonight is my all-time favourite topic, imagining abolitionist futures. I mean, it's the ultimate topic. We get to settle back and imagine liberation. We get to conjure up emancipatory pathways. We get to use our creativity to develop ways to liberate us from all from the tethers that bind us, the colonial shackles which hinder us and kill some of us. And we get to lift the colonizers' boots from our throats, even if just for a moment, that's a relief. I mean, we get to pull out the bolt covers and free each other of those chains which restrain and constrain us. And most excitingly, we get to breathe life back into our spirits, into our communities, into our black bodies, our black lands and our black waters. We get to remake and rebuild the social and ideological landscape of this place. We get to dream beyond what we are told is realistic. We get to infinitely stretch our understanding of what's possible. We get to allow our imaginations to grow as large as galaxies. We get to imagine freedom. So I was sitting in the lounge thinking about this topic the other night. The moon was full and the sky a brilliant black. I don't sleep, you see. The trauma from the depths of hell creep into my mind in the wee hours and rob me of my rest. The castle giants who trod their muddy footprints across my body and soul and laid to rest my peace come each night and keep me awake by teasing at the edges of my conscience with recollections of their non-consensual violations of my body. Their actions play like movies in my mind and I can't close my eyes. I can't submit to sleep because only in the awake times can I arm myself in safety. But I was thinking about this idea of abolitionist futures, and I reasoned, I don't long for the future. I long for the past. I long for the past because that's where the answers and solutions lay. I think we must travel backwards in order to propel forwards. Myself, I long for simpler times, I long for the times when my cook wouldn't witnessed the passing of seasons and passage of moments by the constellations in the sky, the growth of a berry, the migration of a bird, a time when the largest tree held a whole song cycle, a time when the guardian spirits sat high in those sacred trees watching over our children, a time when we could see our whole history written in the stars and our future in the lines in the sand, a time of simple complexity. A time when we were free, when we are not shackled to a colony built to classify and extinguish us. And I don't long for that time for the sake of nostalgia, but because that is our time. And it's important for non-Aboriginal abolitionists to understand this. The system that has brutalised and tormented me and my kin, the same system I'm working every day to dismantle, is not my system. This is your system, a system designed to keep people like you safe from people like me, a system that wields its harms for the sake of justice, order and safety, a system that has only existed in this country for 233 years. But my people and our ancient laws have existed on this land since the very first sunrise, since the creator spirit travelled across time and space and grew up the land and gave the sky a moon and a sun so let me be very clear I don't toil and work every day to dismantle the system because it is my responsibility or my job because it isn't I work to dismantle the system because it is killing my people it is literally stealing the oxygen from our lungs and strangling our mother country this system your system is genocide by design I work to dismantle this system to liberate my people. And in doing so, you will benefit because abolition of the entire carceral state has the capacity to free the colonizer. And I'm about freedom for all, not just a select few. I work to dismantle this system for all of us. So when I want to imagine an abolitionist future, I travel back. I travel way back to my ancestors' time. I travel back to a time that existed before police and judges, ministers and reverends, a time before prisons, surveillance, detention and parliaments, a time before bosses and journalists, scarcity and harm, death and denial, a time before linear time, paydays, news cycles, elections, gender binaries and transphobia, a time where people and country meant more than profit, property and wealth, a time before pollution and mining and fracking and drilling. A time before punishment and exile. I journey my way home. A home filled with love and light and abundance and healing, transformation, wholeness, peace, serenity, food, shelter, education, health, art, beauty and freedom. A time of community solidarity, collectivism and interdependence. A time of infinite possibilities and family and community and country a time centered on collective action mutual aid self-determination and centering the leadership of the marginalized hell a time before there was even a marginalized son. a time where we live the change we want to see and i'm sick of telling people telling me it's impossible because of course it's possible in fact abolition is the most possible and accessible solution it is the most common sense answer because abolition And liberation are processes not destinations and there is room for all of our imaginings and creativity and to achieve this abolitionist future we must be unrealistic in our visions because all substantive social change has been considered to be unrealistic at the time people fought for it until those people changed the world to make it happen imaginative spaces are key to true liberatory change because we must be able to imagine something different before we can build it. And right now, for all of us living in this moment, we have lived all our lives within systems that tell us radical change is an impossibility. But I don't give up that easy. And I urge you to resist the desisters. I urge you to roll up your sleeves, link arms and close your eyes and free fall back into our dreaming spaces so my people can propel us all forward into an abolitionist future. A future as beautiful as my ancestors' past. Together, I think it's possible. After all, who we are and what we are comes from the alchemy of our struggles, and my people are proven magic makers. Thank you.
4: Ah, oh, Tabitha, thank you so much. Um, what a privilege to hear that. Um And also just a privilege to work alongside
0: you in a lot of different capacities. Um, Such an amazing piece to end with as well. Um, Thank you, Tabs.
4: We'd also, there was someone else who was going to speak this evening but was unable to
0: make it. Um, And we want to give him a massive shout-out. Keith Quayle, um, sending our love. Um, And, yeah, so much love to you, Keith. And... Yeah, he does some incredible work in New South Wales, um, particularly supporting trans people coming out of custody, um, and is an absolute legend. So, we want to send our love to him. Um,
4: now, if we could have everyone back on stage, um, so we can have, we've got enough time for a couple of questions um, which we can throw to each other. Um, I was just first wondering if maybe there were if we wanted to respond to each other's words um, because I saw the chat going off. So I just wanted to give us a space to actually talk about it out loud. Um, yeah, what we're left thinking about or anything we wanted to say to each other.
3: Um,
1: I'm just very grateful to hear everyone's words because it's very rare to be sitting on a panel where we're hearing from so many people with lived experience and as someone with lived experience, it just feels it feels real and it feels authentic and it feels familiar. And um, I think the truth and strength that come from everyone's words tonight, they fill me with hope and it's funny because hope is weaponized against us so much, particularly as Buffaloes. But I think for me... Um, Hope is that idea of holding that candle of hope that things can change. And I think unless we live without, if we don't live with the future of possibilities and possible change, then we just lay down and die. And my ancestors did not live and die for me just to lay down and let colonialism kill me. So I just want to thank the rest of the speakers because, yeah, I'm filled with lots of hope tonight and joy too, joy.
0: Thanks, Tabitha. Flick
3: or Rosa, did you, did you want to speak to anything from those pieces? Oh, yes. I wanted to say thank you, everyone, and thank, me, thank you for having me here. And at the last minute. <laughs> but um, yet yeah, a really, really good and it's very, very powerful that, you know, that we speak about these sort of things, you know, because people need to hear this and, you know, our lived experiences and what we have to go through every day of our lives. And people think, you know, they say, oh, don't play the sorry card. Oh, my gosh, the cards are are dealt against us. And, you know, we want to make changes for our younger generations so they don't have to go through that shit, you know, that we go through. And thank you. Sorry for my French. But, yeah, um, thank you so much.
4: Thanks,
5: Rosa. Yeah, I just like say um i'm i'm yeah i'm gobsmacked um the you know the passion and the energy from each of those readings and especially to have a a a platform where you can you know hear directly from from behind bars um people's you know people's feelings and stories and yeah it's incredible so i think i think this is just amazing so
0: yeah Awesome. Thanks, Luke. Um, we might ask a question to, to anyone who wants to respond to it. Um, but I guess, you know, I think a lot about when often when people are, firstly, when, when people who have been incarcerated um, are usually spoken about, right, and not given platforms to speak, um, and when and if they are, it's kind of um, usually done in like a trauma porn kind of way of, of you having to sort of justify your humanity um, or, or to convey that experience and then that's it and then there's not really any further conversation or space. Um, and the point of this event really is to actually focus and take your knowledge and your expertise and envision beyond, beyond and, and build that future. Um, And I just, I'm wondering why, from your perspective, why imagining abolitionist futures is important to you?
5: Oh, I'll jump in there. Um, So I think this entire system from, from, you know, from the moment you're pulled over, pulled up by, you know, a cop, someone with a badge on to, you know, the, the, the court system, to going inside, to getting released on an order on bail, um, the lack of support, um, and then you know everything that follows you for the rest of your life. Um, when you put your name into Google, when you're trying to apply for jobs, when um, you're trying to you know get your license, and you have to have you have to pay extra to be able to have a device in your car to get your license. Like it, the entire system is. You know, people that make mistakes need help and support, fix the underlying problems. Um, and to the people out there that, you know, sit there wagging their fingers and, you know, they shouldn't do this, or shouldn't do that. Those are people that just haven't gotten caught doing something wrong. You know, they've gotten away with it. And that's the only reason they're not in the position that a lot of us have been. Um, so I think that, the whole system needs to be reconfigured, um, and because what 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 we're stuck with now in Australia does not work, it obviously doesn't. So I it dumbfounds me how all of the problems that we face and the systems in each state just continue as they are. Nothing gets changed. Um, and people people you know keep passing away um while in you know while in the protection and under care of duty um how how does that even happen you know how how are people supposed to change themselves or you know change their lifestyle or situation or whatever when they're in a when they're in an environment that the person in the room next to them can pass away and no one can You know, and and people might not even notice until the next morning. What kind of environment is that? So that's why um, you know, abolition is is important to me.
0: Thanks so much, Flick.
1: It's so true, Flick, because for me abolition is important and it's urgent because our people are dying. And whether our lives are extinguished while we're standing behind bars or while we're on parole or on home detention or in, under community supervision orders, we are dying. We are being killed. In fact, I think prison alters you on a molecular level. We all come out of that system damaged and broken and torn apart and traumatised. And, and that goes on for a lifetime. We are punished forever. You know, this notion of perpetual punishment, what you said, Flick, about when you apply for a job or you Google your name or all those things, it follows you forever. And for me, abolition is really important because my perspective on abolition is it's grounded in love. It's about loving each other and loving each other beyond who we want people to be. It's about loving and caring for people and and recognising that every person, no matter what they've done or who they are, has a rightful place in this community and deserves love and deserves care and respect. And that's what abolition is for me. It's about loving each other just a little bit more. And if we could do that, we would not need prisons, we wouldn't need punishment, and we certainly wouldn't want to exile anyone.
0: Thanks, Tabitha. Rosalina, did you have any words?
3: Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I want to go on... you know, with both the Youth Link and Tabitha, very strong, beautiful Black women. (laughs) And, you know, that's what people need to realise too, you know, about us Aboriginal people. We don't only live in in the mainstream law, we live in our Blackfella law as well. So, you know, we have to cop it from from both sides. But see the difference between the mainstream law it changes, as Tabitha said. You know that their laws, white fellow laws, changes every day. Our black fellow laws has been there since the time began. If you mucked up, you get punished. Yeah, there, finished, over, right, and done with. You get back in you know, integrated back into society, and you're loved by your community. You know, you done. If you are done, you made the trouble or whatever. You get punished for it. You know. Everyone accepts that you got your punishment and whatever you know you got your punishment, and you get welcome back into the community, and you know you you learn and that's the one that's the difference between you know mainstream law and the you know um and our black flag law, and that's what makes us more you know um unique because. And that's you know this, you know with the um getting rid of these all of this incarceration and stuff they need to learn when will they ever learn I just say that thank you
4: <laughs> question isn't it that that's the that's the two hundred and nearly fifty year old question for these fellows um. I'm interested to know, so we're all like creatives in some way. Um, Flick, you're also an amazing artist. I know you're all over those sketches tabs. Um, I'm interested to know what sort of, yeah, what, what are you what are you all working on at the moment? Um, what are you what are you writing? What are you painting? What are you building right now? Anyone?
3: I'm okay. going well. For the past about four or five years, you know, with my advocacy work, and um, even though I live in Sydney, I still do my advocacy work back in Northern Territory to, you know, with the transgender community, as I am a founding member of Sisters and Brothers NT, and um, and I've been one a couple of. Um, I'll talk. Um, I'll tell you. Um, there's two major. Um, Well, two victories that I'd like to share with everyone. And the first one is, um, which I was involved with, with um, the Human Rights Law Centre through Melbourne. And we um, took it to Northern Territory Parliament. And I think we like one of the first jurisdictions in the world where transgender people do not need to undergo any Invasive surgeries and um, to have their gender marker change on the birth certificate. And the second one I was involved in is was I was part of that giving evidence in Parliament, Northern Territory Parliament House as well, and that's with Scarlet Alliance and with the Northern Territory Swap. Um, and I was also part of the scrutiny committee and giving evidence to the politicians where we have legalised sex work in the Northern Territory and we are the third jurisdiction in the world to have legalised sex work. So, you know, that's a really great achievement. You know, where the police. They cannot just go up and pick on us anymore because, you know, all of these things are, you know, slowly changing and, you know, yeah, thank you, that's all.
0: Amazing, Rosa. Um, and so it's all linked, right, um, in terms of abolition and, and the impacts of criminalisation. Um, thank you so much for the incredible work that you do and the incredible advocacy. Um, Flick, what are you working on at the moment? Other than amazing art that everyone can go to the Torch website and purchase.
5: Um, what am I working on at the moment? I think I've got six artworks on the go. a, um, have got a... I've got a um, there's an art award I'm actually um, making some, you know, putting together some pe- pieces to uh, um, apply for. So, um, yeah, just at the moment I just finished um, a piece that is the story of Tidilic. Um So, you know, big, big frog there. And I'm just all about putting my pelicans and stuff on paintings. Uh, so that's what I've been been doing lately.
0: Awesome. And is is any of that art up on the torch website at the moment? Have you got pieces up there at the
5: moment? No, I actually don't have any. So, Confined Twelve is still um, in process. It got extended, so the exhibition is still going. Um, all my pieces, you know, thank goodness, are actually sold. So my pieces are hanging up in someone's someone's um, someone's house. <laughs> the exhibition is actually still. Um, in show down at the Glen Ira City Council here in Melbourne. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I don't have anything up for sale at the moment, so hopefully soon. But there's still heaps of amazing other pieces up there if people wanted to check out.
0: Thanks, Luke. Tabitha, are you working on anything
1: at the moment? Or? I'm supposed to be working on my master's thesis, which is due in a few months. <laughs> but I'm um, I'm always writing. I think I... Um, I used to write for a living way back when, when I worked in politics, I used to write speeches and I lost my passion for writing when you're writing for other people. And so now I just write for pleasure. So I'm always writing poetry and um, different things for publication. But, yeah, nothing of great excitement. It's more just continually putting the truth out there about this system and challenging it and trying to get people to imagine and, and think about different ways of being and doing in this country um to save us all so yeah just continue your work
0: strongly encourage once again anyone to who's on twitter to to follow tabitha's uh writing on there um which you can from the emerging writers festival the the link for for tabitha's twitter is right there um yeah you're always sharing such incredible insights um have any more questions?
4: I think um, that's all the questions we have time for. Um, there's a few things, Whitney. I just wanted to um, do to wrap up. Um, firstly, I wanted to thank everyone. I think there's a particular narrative that this um, that people like to hear from people who've been inside, and that's about getting on the straight and narrow, or that sort of thing, or People, to be, to hear from people who are so smart and strong and are sharing fighting words is just amazing. Um, And, yeah, we all need to take leadership from people with lived experience. So thank you so much, everyone. Um, For those of us who... Are uh, interested to go along in an abolitionist journey? There's some things that we can all do. Um, we
0: have some homework. We have some homework. <laughs> if, you're, um, if you're joining us tonight, we assume you are on this wavelength, um, and also probably corrections or cops as well. If you're listening, um, but so one of the things that is happening right now um, in a Victorian context, so. The the government is um, looking to put a a shit ton of money towards expanding the Dame Phyllis Frost women's prison down here, um, while there is still a massive need for housing and so many other needs in our community um, that would actually benefit our community. So there's an incredible campaign against that expansion happening called Homes Not Prisons. Um, If everyone could just jump on the homesnotprisons.com.au website and sign the petition, that's a very simple thing to support um, that campaign and and say no to that expansion and expansions of prisons in general. Um, Also, of course, pay the rent is an incredibly important um, fund that exists particularly for us as settlers especially us white settlers, to be paying the rent back um, as colonisers of this country. Um, So paytherent.net.au. You can donate to, um, set up a monthly contribution, take a chunk out of your salary, whatever you need to do. Um, There's also um,
4: the Trans and Gender Diverse um, Incarcerated incarceration fund, uh, which, um, Whit and I helped set up. Um, so Rosa, we need to talk, um, especially people up in the NT. Um, yeah, so we are not as organized as pay the rent, but you can follow us on
0: Instagram and suss out things there. Um, and if you Google the funds, Google there, the there's fund, a GoFundMe yeah. for there with all, um, funds going to people who are transgender versus inside and, um, those coming out. There's also the Disability Justice Mutual Aid Fund that we'd like everyone to check out. Um, He's doing some incredible mutual aid work um, with people in the disability community. Um, that's just kicked off. Um, there's the Free Her campaign started by Debbie Kioro from Sisters Inside that provides support to assist with the, with covering the, the fines for Aboriginal women and getting Aboriginal women and young women out of prison um, and preventing them going in. Um, There's the Dajua Foundation um,
4: started by, well, led by people whose families have died in custody, been killed by the state. Um, they're doing incredible work supporting the families and calling for justice um, and also RISE who work with um, asylum seekers and refugees. Um, and they, yeah, we also something that we wanted to acknowledge tonight is that prisons aren't just prisons exist in many forms and include immigration detention centres, um, juvenile detention centres, etc. And finally, Jitter, um, an organisation down here working with Aboriginal and Torres
0: Strait Islander women. Um, and and also flat out here in Victoria as well, who supports women who are criminalized. We also have a reading
4: list. Um, there's too many to send out. So what Whit and I are gonna do is we're gonna tweet about it uh, and we're gonna get Emerging Writer- Emerging Writers Festival to tweet it as well so that you can all follow up there. Um and
0: yeah, go further on your journey or start or whatever it might be. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much to everyone who presented their pieces. Um, It's a real honour to sit alongside you all. Um, And, yeah, I hope everyone has a beautiful night.
4: And thank you, Stacey
2: and Ash.
0: Yeah, thank you, Stacey and Ash.
2: Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Late Night Literature, Imagining Abolitionist Futures, an event which took place on Thursday 24th June, and featured stories submitted by women currently in prison, read out by the hosts on their behalf. Hosted by Nayuka Gori and Wit Gori as part of the Emerging Writers Festival 2021. Featuring the voices and work of Flick Smith, Tabitha Lean, Rosalina Curtis, Ashley and Stacey. You can watch the event on YouTube. Just search emergingwritersfestival.org.au and late-night literature abolitionist futures. Thanks to the Emerging Writers' Festival for permission to rebroadcast the event. Thanks for tuning in to the Do and Time Show. Tune in every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Do and Time Show. Thank you and stay safe.
6: Let's go.